welcome to another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. Uh, I'm Katie Langston. And I'm Cameron Howard. And once again, we have our wonderful co-host, co-guest host, Cameron Howard, uh, Associate Professor of Old Testament at Luther Seminary, because we are interviewing our regular co-host, Catherine Schipperdecker, Professor of Old Testament at Luther, uh, about something that she knows quite a bit about. So hello, Catherine. Hi, Katie. Hey, Cameron. (laughs) Thanks for for helping us out, Cameron. Glad to be here. So the question um, that we have received, again, this came in uh, on our website. And you can ask a question if you go to enterthebible.org and click on the little button that says ask a question up at the top. Uh, why are Job's three daughters mentioned by name at the end of the book, but not his sons? Usually it's women who are forgotten or unnamed rather than men. And Catherine, you did your dissertation on Job and and are a Job expert. So do you have an answer to this most burning of questions? I do. I do. Uh, and I I should say right off the bat that I'm borrowing heavily in this answer from my own seminary professor, Ellen Davis, who is also my mentor and friend, um, particularly from this book of Ellen's. It's called Getting Involved with God. Uh, subtitled Rediscovering the Old Testament. Um, She has a beautiful chapter in here on the book of Job uh, and spends a lot of time on that, on that last chapter where uh, chapter Job 42, where this, uh, where this situation uh, is described. And, and maybe just real quick, I don't know, Cameron, do you want to do like just the quickest of summaries of what happens in Job? so that our listeners can follow along. Oh, the quickest of summaries. Okay. Um, Well, uh, God and God's adversary um, are having a conversation. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? Um, uh, Basically, you can uh, do anything to him except kill him and he will remain faithful to me. And Job is uh, very, you know, he offers lots of sacrifices. He's very faithful to God. He has um, a lot of um, sort of wealth and prosperity and things are going very well for him. And so all of that gets taken away and um, He's covered in sores and scraping his sores and and his friends come to visit him and they are um, very pastoral for, what is it, six or seven days. And um, yeah, then by sitting with him silently, but then they start to talk and they start to try to explain why this happened to him? Like, what did he do to deserve it? Or, you know, he must have done something wrong or all sorts of different reasons. Job, meanwhile, is um, calling on God uh, to come and just for Job to be heard and found out uh, to be righteous because he knows that he hasn't done anything to deserve this. And then finally, God does answer Job coming out of the whirlwind and saying, you, um, uh, you weren't there when I laid the foundations of the earth. What do you know about God? And, and, he, and there, 
I'm going to stop and let Catherine pick it up. How, how have I done so far? You're good. <laughs> Just, That's right. That's right. Because yeah. I don't know how much detail you want to get into to lead into this question about Job's and, um, daughters at the end. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right, Cameron. It's it, 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 people are surprised, I think, when they actually open the book of Job in the Bible because they think they know the story, right? This righteous man who suffers and then is faithful to God and then is rewarded at the end. But it's 42 chapters long. <laughs> it's one of the longer books in the Old Testament. And the great bulk of it is taken up with this dialogue between Job and his three so-called friends, right? I think you're exactly right, Cameron. They start out well, and then they open their mouth and everything goes to hell. I mean, they're, yeah, they're just, they're blaming the victim, just blaming the victim the whole time. And then there's a fourth friend who does basically the same thing. And then God answers Job out of the whirlwind. Uh, and uh, and then you get, uh, and, and, and what God says isn't, oh, sorry, you know, sorry, I... I'm sorry that I made a bet with 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 Satan and like cursed you for no reason. My bad. That's what I would want God to say. I yeah, I would too. And instead, God says, "Where were you when I established the earth? And do you know when the mountain goats give birth? And can you rein in Leviathan, this you know great sea monster?" And and just kind of takes Job on this whole whirlwind tour of uh, creation, including all, you know, lots of different wild animals and including, like I said, Leviathan, this kind of sea dragon, sea monster, and behemoth, which is kind of a super hippopotamus. And what? And then, and, and we wonder, right, Wait, what in the world does this have out. to do? Yeah. So is there, there is, there's a super hippopotamus in the Bible? Yeah. Behemoth. Is it, is that a real thing? Is there really a, a super hippopotamus in the real world or is that like a mythical creature kind of like leviathan uh he seems to be a mythical creature ah dang it yeah 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 i was hoping that maybe i just hadn't heard about the super hippopotami okay go on (laughs) sorry uh well and then and then you get and then job responds well first job responds and says i can't say anything and then job responds the second time and says i didn't understand what i was talking about Right. Um, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Um, And then in chapter 42, 6, Job, according to the uh, many English translations, says, therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes, which is a terrible translation. (laughs) Don't believe it. It's something more like, therefore, I recant or relent. Um, being but dust and ashes, or uh, I, I reconsider what being dust and ashes means. Uh, anyway, we don't have time to get into that, but that all leads into the question uh, for us today, because Job's fortunes are restored. Well, first, uh, God says, pray for your friends, because they didn't speak, I think, to me rightly, as my servant Job has. Um, but most translations, again, say they didn't speak of me rightly. It can be translated either way. Um, so Job does that. I mean, he he prays for his friends who have been just terrible to him, which, you know, is is something. <laughs> and um, and then after that, God gives him back everything, gives him back uh, the, 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 the oxen and the sheep and the donkeys and um, um, and everything that he had before, and, and in fact, gives him double back. Uh, like in the beginning, he had 500 yoke of oxen, and in the last chapter, he has 1,000 yoke of oxen. 
And then God gives them again seven sons and, and three daughters. And this is where people hate the ending of Job, right? Because how can you replace children? And that's true, right? You can't. You cannot replace children. Um, there's this this interesting detail though with the with the with the daughters, uh, as our questioner says. Uh, God, uh, uh, the text names tells what names Job gives the daughters. Uh, so it's it's um, Jemima, which means dove, um, Keziah, which means cinnamon or cinnamon stick, and Karen Hapuk, which means literally horn of eyeshadow, but I like to translate it rouge pot because I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Horn of eyeshadow, right? They're these very sensual names. So think of a dove, right? Uh, the, the, the sound of a dove, right? Or cinnamon stick, the aroma or the taste of cinnamon. Or a horn of eyeshadow, you know, seeing the... the think about the eyeliner that you see in hieroglyphs, right? Or in uh, drawings of ancient Egyptian uh, men and women, right? Those dark lines around the eyes. That's what... That's what the name is talking about, horn of eyeshadow. And so Job gives them these very sensual names. They're the most beautiful women in the land. And Job gives them an inheritance along with their brothers, which is unheard of, unheard of in the ancient Near East. So what is all this about? Well, uh, back to my teacher, Ellen Davis. She, she, she asks, she says something that I think is just really perceptive in this. Um, she says the question to ask is not how much does it cost God to give Job more children, right? Like, no big deal. God can God can give Job and Mrs. Job, by the way, more children. She says <laughs> that's not the question, though. The question is how much does it cost Job to become a father again, right? How much does it cost Job to and Mrs. Job again to risk having children in a world? that is heartbreaking where you know having children is like taking your heart out of your chest and watching it walk around outside of you right we all know uh, i think how uh, how risky it is how risky it is to have children um in terms of just the sorrow that can come uh, the joy too of course right but also the sorrow that is possible ellen says and i, I think again this is a good analogy the most courageous thing that Holocaust survivors did after the cataclysm was to have children again, right? To have children again, even though they they knew firsthand the the heartbreak uh, that was potentially, you know, um, that they were risking uh, by having more children. So I just think that's a beautiful way to interpret that ending. Not, you know, not children can't, of course children can't be replaced. But how much does how much courage does it take for Job and his wife to choose to live again after such loss, after such heartbreak uh, earlier in the book? Um, and the thing about the the the, the names uh, and the inheritance of the daughters, I think Job has learned to uh, to parent in a way that God uh, parents or that God. Um, uh, allows creation to be, right? In the whirlwind speeches, God talks about all these wild animals and God uh, speaks about animals that are indifferent to and maybe even dangerous to human beings like Leviathan. And and uh, and, and God allows them the freedom to be who they're created to be. God allows them the freedom to be 
um, who God creates them to be. I think in the same way, Job has learned to allow his children and particularly his daughters in this case to be who they're created to be, beautiful, sensual women who are given economic independence right, by being given an inheritance. Uh, and this is in contrast to, I think you mentioned this, Cameron, in your summary, in the first chapter of Job, uh, the children have parties, they uh, probably birthday celebrations. And every time they have a celebration together, Job rises early the next morning and offers sacrifices just in case they got, you know, they drank too much and, and cursed God in their hearts. They're preemptive sacrifices. Uh, and so, you know, he's very righteous, but he's also very careful, right? Very, uh, uh, very rigid in a way. Uh, I think in the end, then Job learns to live with a little more freedom himself and to give his children that freedom uh, to be the beautiful um, people that they're, that they are, uh, especially his daughters. So do you think Catherine, that Job is satisfied with God's answer at the end? I actually do. I know that there's disagreement, uh, you know, there's those who would disagree with that. You know, some, some people, some interpreters say Job's just kind of, um, beaten into submission, <laughs> which is that where that translation comes from of, of 42.6, you know, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I don't think that's, I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he's, he's, uh, he's not given a full answer to suffering because I think the author of Job knows there is no full answer to undeserved suffering, but he's given, uh, he's given a vision of God somehow in that whirlwind those whirlwind speeches, you know, he's, he says back in chapter 19, I know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And when my flesh has been destroyed, then I shall see God whom I shall see on my side. So he has, he has this, you know, hope in chapter 19, probably the most famous passage in Job, which is fulfilled somehow in the whirlwind speeches, because uh, in, in chapter 42, he says, I had heard of you, God, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. So I, I do think he, you know, even though he's not given a full answer, I think he's given enough of a vision, enough of a, well, he's given relationship, right? He's, God shows up, uh, God, uh, God shows up and, um, and responds to Job and, and takes him and expands his vision to see the world around him. You know, this beautiful, risky, free wild world uh, that God has created. And I think somehow in that vision, Job has seen God and it's, and, and has come to at least some sort of peace about his suffering. I think he learns that like to live is to risk, you know? So, sorry, say that again, Katie. He learns that to live is to risk. Yeah. Yeah. So love is to risk. And he yeah. sees somehow that God put into creation that same sort of riskiness um and the inevitability with risk comes sort of this inevitability that you're going to be hurt and i think he comes to accept that risk whereas before he was like preemptively sacrificing right. in yeah. order because he, he couldn't tolerate any risk at the end he sort of sees oh the world is much more wide open and like unpredictable yeah than i thought 
because it is um because and I that's have part of it's happened to me right? That's, right and that's, that's part of its beauty yeah right and so he can he can be more free like with his daughters and like more generous yeah. and less you know kind of tightly wound up i picture him like a wound up kind of stressed out dude. yeah no i think that's right I'll, I'll say two more quick things one is um something none of, none of us have mentioned so far that well, you did a bit, I think, Cameron, that Job reels against God throughout much of the book. I mean, he's just angry and you can't blame him. And he questions God and he accuses God. And one of the great gifts, uh, one of the great responses to suffering that Job offers us, as does, as do the Psalms and, and other books, is the, the power of lament, right? Job and Psalms and other uh, books, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, uh, demonstrate to us that it's okay to question God. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to shake your fist at God, uh, that, that God is big enough to take that. Because Job is commended in the end for speaking directly to God, unlike his friends who never, who never pray for Job, who never, uh, you know, never directly address God. So that's one thing I want to say. The other thing, I, I, I want to quote Ellen Davis again in that beautiful uh, ch uh, chapter on Job in her book, Getting Involved with God. She says, the great question that, uh, that, that the voice from the whirlwind, that God in the whirlwind speeches uh, poses to Job, uh, the great question is, can you love what you do not control? Hmm. Right. Can you love what you do not control? The wild animals, uh, you know, the the, the wilderness, um, your own children, right? And God. Um, so again, it, just some profound questions and um, themes that the book of Job raises. It's certainly not an easy book and it's not kind of traditionally comforting, uh, but I just think it's a, it's a, incredibly deep theologically and really worth uh, studying. I'm, I'm actually working on a book on Job, another book on Job, uh, besides the one I published from my dissertation, but that won't be done for probably a couple of years. So, um, but it, it's, it's well worth, uh, it's well worth your study, those, uh, those of you listening to us. Um, but I would, I would advise perhaps getting a study guide for it or, uh, getting this book again by Ellen Davis uh, as a companion piece for reading Job. That was great. Thank you so much. Um, and thanks, Cameron, for uh, for co-hosting today and, and Catherine for sharing your wisdom. Um, this has been another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast. And uh, if you have enjoyed this or other episodes, uh, I invite you to rate and review in your favorite podcast app and to share the podcast with a friend. Till next time.